I just believe today God has a sense of humor and it's very timely. And so I just want y'all to lock in with me. I need you to talk to me. Can y'all talk to me this morning? Excuse me. I need you to talk to me a little bit this morning. But just in review, this is what honor is, okay? Honor is to consider something weighty or heavy or of worth. It's to esteem. It's the word kavod or time. And it's, it's how we hold up and lift up. And, and it's, it's the culture in which when something is down, we can, by using this, lift it up. And it's awesome. It's important. And listen, today is kind of funny because it'll almost seem contradictory. Because I believe people can use this. I believe people can use this right here to their advantage. Do y'all know what I mean? Okay, sweet. So one person. Here's how it works, all right? If you love people so that people love you back, if you serve people so that you can be served, if you give so that you can get back, this is not what this is. It's not honor. It's basically being a hireling. (laughs) It's basically being someone that's trying to get something. And here's the funny thing. It is so razor close to honor that we mask it and we put it in the brand called honor. We call it that. And I believe this is the most difficult thing in the whole world to really decide. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, what's really the purpose that I did that? And here's what I believe the Lord revealed to me. Um, (laughs) I even talked and joked about chore play. And by the way, it's still true. It works. So I'm just letting y'all know if y'all serve and you do those things, it's still awesome. But if that's the only reason that I do the dishes or mow the grass or do whatever is just to get something from my wife, it's not this. And it was never intended to be this. It was only intended to get something from her. If I buy you a present so that I can gain your approval or so that you love me. It's not honor. Honor is never, listen to this, this is hard. Honor is never so that I can get something back. And this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to honor, because we can get tattoos and we can get brands and we can put stuff on our walls in our offices and we can do all this stuff and we can be a bunch of liars. We can call it honor and be the most manipulative masquerade people in the history of the world and say we did it for the culture of honor. And so today I'm kind of drawing a line in the sand. Can I just be honest with y'all? It starts with me. And say this is the question that each one of us have to ask. And by the way, we should ask this question about everything in life. We should ask this question about everything in life. Why did I just say what I just said? Why did I just do what I just did? Why did I just think what I just thought? Why did I just watch what I just watched? What was the purpose that I was trying to accomplish by doing that? When you ask why, it checks your motives. And when you check your motives, the truth gets revealed. Because here's the deal with honor. Honor is all about what's in the heart. It's not about your actions. Your actions always should follow what your heart believes. But your mind can believe. Here's the truth. I've watched a bunch of people walk out and say, I'm going to make a difference, man. Pastor, I'm going to do this better. I'm going to start changing the world. And and in two weeks, you're putting posts on social media or you're cussing out your wife 
And hopefully that's not on social media. And all these things are happening. You're like, I don't understand. But you did it so that you got something. You didn't get to do it. You got to do it so you get. And when that switches, it changes everything. Because here's the deal with honor. When it comes to honor, the devil's in the details. When it comes to honor, the devil's in the details. I'm going to repeat that a hundred times today. But when it comes to honor or the culture of honor or the way that I honor, the devil's in the details. And here's what the detail is. If I honor for any purpose other than to give glory and honor to the Lord Jesus, then it's not honor. And that's the little intricate detail that I don't look at. That's a, but, 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 but I, I honored them. I served those people. I gave my money away. I did everything that I thought that you were saying to do and I don't understand nothing's changing. It's because your heart hasn't changed. You can put a dress on a pig, but it is still a pig. Are y'all with me? Yes. Right? And that's what it is so often. And then I see people and I just want to hug them and say, listen, check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's your motives that are off. Listen, you can have great intentions and end up in a really bad way because the devil's in the details. We come in with these expectations of, of I give so I should get. If that's why you've given $1 to this house or to anything in the world ever, that's not honor. And it's not the purpose of God's creation in you. And you are not a kingdom man or kingdom woman. And let me tell you who has struggled with this message this week. This guy. Because it's hard to check your motives. Because it is the absolute revealer of everything. The devil's in the details. And when my expectation is this much off, because I've come in with unrealistic things, believing that it's something that it's not, it can make me miserable. And here's the truth about this. And this is why I believe this is such an important message. I believe the culture of honor is the way that we should live. And I believe it will change this community. I believe it's countercultural, Unless we're doing it to get something. And then you know what I believe it is? Just like them. Just like everybody else. And we've put this pretty picture over it. And we've called it honor. But if I give to get. And I don't get to give. If I serve to get and I don't get to serve, if I do anything that I do so that I gain a great reward, because you see, here's the, where the devil's in the details. Honor's reward has nothing to do with what I get in terms of gifts or the esteem that I get back. And at the point that I believe it is, and by the way, human nature says that that is how I will be, then I've missed the whole point of honor altogether. I'm just telling you guys, if you're this much off, or if you come in with the wrong expectations, it can really screw you up. My dad and I go skiing a lot. I think, I may be wrong, I think we've been to the Rockies 11 times. Nine of those have been to the Canadian Rockies. I went back and thought about it. It's my favorite place, maybe on the planet. It's tied with Maui. If anybody ever wants to get a appreciation gift, this is free, okay? You can either choose Banff, Alberta, Canada, which is just west of uh, Calgary, and I will gladly accept. I'll go with you as long as my wife can come. I'll go with anybody. Or Maui, and either one are fine, right? If we go to Banff, I'd prefer it be in the wintertime so we can ski. Somebody say amen. But like, we go, and Dad and I are pretty good because um, I skied for the first time when I was four, and I got pretty good at it because when you do something when you're four and you learn how and your dad likes it and we bonded together and you get good at it. Last time I went was a year and a half ago. I did not fall one time in an entire week. But... <laughs> There's always a but. Praise the Lord for this story. The devil's in the details. 
My dad gets these ideas, like when we're riding up chairlifts and we go to the top and we ski the whole mountain and it's so beautiful and we ski miles and miles and miles. And my dad gets these ideas. We're getting good at this. Why don't we try this slope? Such a bad idea. Like every time I'm going, I'm probably as good as you and I don't think this is a good idea, right? Because we're going to get hurt and we're going to fall and both of us need our hips, knees, and heads because it's really good to operate with those things if y'all don't know that. So you're welcome. But... We go down this one called Paradise Bowl. It's terrible. Can I just tell y'all, it's a, it's a quarter mile run. That may not sound like long. That's long, okay? Maybe longer than that. And, and there's these things called moguls. And there's these, they're hills. They're bumps that are the size of freaking cars. The entire way down! That's terrible! And you, and you see guys on TV, right? Y'all have seen it if you've ever watched the Olympics or stuff. And they're, and they're going down and you're like, I got that. Listen, if you're not real good and you do that, everything explodes on your body. You know what I mean? Like, and then you just fall and things go everywhere, all right? But we got to where we were pretty good at it. And it's not a good idea, but it's, it's a black diamond and that means expert. And then there's these dudes called double black diamonds. Can I tell y'all what that means? Don't freaking be stupid and go down this slope. Because as hard as that black diamond was, it's another world with the double black. So I'll never forget this as long as I live. We're at this place called Sunshine Village. We're skiing along. And dad goes, I think we can do this one. We actually took a wrong turn for the record, if he'll admit it. And there was this one called Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> y'all with me so far? The devil's in the details. It has nothing to do with this, but I'm just telling y'all, as, as, as soon as the word hell and snow were together, snow froze over, we shouldn't go down this mountain. Are y'all with me? And it was a cliff. And when I tell you it was a cliff, I've got a picture of Hell's Kitchen. This is not a joke. This is the first part. Somebody in the back on this side whose name is Dad may remember this. There's an eight-foot drop. Eight foot drop and you have sticks on your feet and if y'all snowboard it doesn't matter this is dumb you get to the edge and I remember and my feet are almost like skis anyway and y'all can appreciate the KDs today come on somebody but I'm I'm getting to the edge and I'm like this is a real bad idea and the one that should be saying I'm a little bit older no offense and I like this is probably not a good idea is going we got this God is my witness this is a true story we jump over this freaking jump, okay? Boom, we land. And when I say we land, I landed, and so did he, but his skis, listen to me, were five feet into the snow. <laughs> Y'all with me? Five feet. And he's mad, and he's carrying on, and he was praying out loud, real loud, and saying things that you say when you pray, wink, and like, and I'm digging in the snow to find his skis. <laughs> and for the next two hours, I, you really can't see it. I wish you could see the rest of the mountain. That's a tree in the middle of the run. If anybody knows this or not, that's bad. And the other part is that's real steep when you're like this and then there's these bumps and rocks and things and it is straight flipping down Goat's Eye Mountain at Sunshine Village, Banff. And I did not fall the last time I went, but the time before that, or maybe two times before that, I don't remember because it's one of those blocks that you put out of your mind. I think I fell 20 times in this run. Listen, I got back on the chairlift 
And we're both just laying there. You know when you've worked all day and you feel like you've just died and you just woke up. You know what I mean? Like that. I had snow. I was reaching in my ski pants and I'm pulling out just hunks of snow. And I'm reaching inside and... I didn't prepare because I didn't think that someone was going to have a great idea that we should go down that. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm pulling out stuff and I'm pulling out twigs in my teeth. I've got bark from trees. And I just remember looking at him. What just happened? Why did this happen? You lost your skis five seconds into the run. And for the and you cannot go up. I don't y'all might can go up. I can't go up in ski boots, eight foot of rock. And so I had to go down. But it started off with really good intentions. It started off with, hey, we got Paradise Bowl. <laughs> we hadn't fallen in like two trips. We got this. Let me tell you what we didn't got this. And let me tell you what we haven't done since. Huh? Listen to me. What have I not done since? <laughs> Hell's kitchen. Every time I see that run, I go, and I just pass by. And I just think, I put this thing on the PowerPoint this week, and I just almost said bad words. I'm just telling y'all, I thought the profanity in my mind because I was like, you are the worst experience I've ever been through. But here's why I got there. I agreed with him. I'm full of it if I say I didn't. We can do this. We had no business trying that. But the devil was in the details. And we didn't look at the details. We just looked at the, I got this. Can I just be honest with you? When it comes to honor, you don't got this. You don't got it. No one, listen to me carefully, is capable of living a culture of honor that doesn't first sit at the feet of Jesus. No one. No one. You can have the best intentions in the world and end up in a really bad way, falling down a mountain with snow coming out of your clothes, with twigs in your teeth and saying, how did I end up in this place? And it's because at some point you thought that you could handle whatever it is that you have to handle. See, here's what I think we miss. When we stand up and we proclaim the name of Jesus and we're standing up and we are saying, oh, what a savior, wonderful Jesus. We walk out and we say, I've got this. No, sir. No, ma'am. God never intended for you to have this. He intended for you to understand that he has overcome the world. He did not let you overcome the world. He did not intend for you to overcome the world, and that's never been the point. And the problem is, I believe in my selfish, awful, carnal heart so often that I've got this. And the minute that I do, listen to me carefully because this happened to me this week, I fall into this funk that I can't understand how I've gotten there. And I allow my circumstances to dictate what I believe it should happen. And the devil's in the details when it comes to honor because I cannot overcome. You can go to every shrink that you ever want to go to. You can, go, you can go to every, take every pill, do everything that you ever want to do. And I'm not downplaying chemical imbalances. I'm upping the need that we have for Jesus. And there's a story in John chapter 12 that I believe shows a perfect picture. And I believe we sit in one of three places today. We're one of the three characters that we're going to look at this morning. So here's the backstory: John chapter 11, Jesus gets news that his good friend Lazarus is very sick. And a couple days later, Lazarus dies. And it is a big, big issue because Jesus did not have many friends and Lazarus was one of them. And he's dead. And Jesus' heart is broken. As a matter of fact, the shortest verse in the Bible, John chapter 11, verse 35 or 6, I just went blank. Jesus wept. 
And he wasn't weeping over the fact that Lazarus died. He was weeping over the fact that his friends, his followers that he loved dearly were deeply hurt. Because I'm pretty sure Jesus knew that he was about to raise him from the dead. Four days after someone dies, in that faith, in that area, they believe the body begins to rot or decay and the soul actually leaves. That's why it was a big deal that Jesus waited four days. If he'd have raised him two days later, they would have believed his soul was still there. And he waited just the right amount of time for them to believe that his soul had left. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come on out. And he raised from the dead. And it was a huge deal, obviously, right? You can't sell that one quite enough. It was a big deal. And so what do you do for someone that raises your brother from the dead or yourself from the dead or your friend from the dead? You throw him a party. And you celebrate him. And that's exactly where we are in John chapter 12. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, which is right over the Mount of Olives, just on the other side of Jerusalem. So Jesus walked over the Mount of Olives and went into Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had just a few days before raised from the dead. And so they gave a dinner for him there. And the NIV version said, in his honor. They gave a dinner for him in his honor. And I want you to underline this if you have a Bible or if you have your app out. I want you to kind of underline this if you know how to do that. Martha served. That's important to remember. Throughout, throughout Scripture, we know that Martha was the one that was constantly serving. She was always doing. And listen, the devil's in the details when it comes to honor. A lot of us serve, and we serve hard, and we serve faithfully. We put all of our hope in the fact that we serve. And that's not where our hope should lie. And Lazarus was one of those that was at the table, and he was chilling, right? He was just laid back. I'm going to say this. It's probably not always good to chill, but if you just got raised from the dead, I'm going to give you a pass. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm okay with Lazarus just laid back and... So what it looked like was they, they ate on the floor. They didn't have true tables. They ate on the floor, and they, and they would recline. And most of the time when they reclined, like at the Last Supper in some of these places, they literally laid on each other. And so undoubtedly, Lazarus was laying against somebody, and they were just having a conversation. And he was just chilling. He had his sandals off, and he was just having a good time. But then this is the important one. But Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, now that may not mean much to y'all, but phew, pure nard, if you look it up today, it's worth a lot of money. Back then, we're about to find out how much it was worth, and it was so, so, so against culture for what she was doing. You're fixing to find out the reaction. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And so you have to picture this. You have to picture this. Lazarus, who's not really one of our characters, but he's pretty important because he was just raised from the dead, is just laid back. Martha, one of our characters, is doing the work, and she's constantly doing the work. And some of you are Marthas because you're constantly doing the work, constantly doing the work, constantly doing the work. You're going, 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 and you're saying, look, God, look at me. Look, 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 look. I'm getting it done. I'm doing my thing. And then you've got Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus anointing his feet with this, with this pound of expensive perfume. Now, if we put ourselves in this position, we're about to be the character, I believe, a lot of us, that we're going to be introduced to in verse 4. If you, if you came in here and Jesus was sitting right here, 
We would want to tell Jesus what we were doing. <laughs> God, I'm doing all these great things for you. This is awesome. But if someone brought in a $30,000 bottle of perfume, let me repeat what I just said because I don't think it said in. $30,000. <laughs> Are you kidding me? My salary in perfume is laid at a man's feet. I'm going to say, hang on a second, Jesus. And Mary, <laughs> what's wrong with y'all, right? I mean, that's perfume. <laughs> you couldn't just like rub his feet with some cool water that you got from the Jordan. The Jordan's supposed to be a really cool river and like make it clean and nice. And that's still really honoring, I think. This is what verse four says. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples. And this is what John said. And I find it so interesting because John wrote everything he wrote so that we would believe in Jesus and have life in his name. And on purpose, he said, he who was about to betray Jesus. I can't leave this one alone. The devil's in the details when it comes to honor. And oftentimes we look and think that people are doing the right thing. But what's behind it is the revealing factor of where they are. In actuality, I'm convinced with all my heart that Judas never knew Jesus. And he knew all about him. And so many people know all about him. And they can tell you all about him and tell you the books of the Bible. And go round and round and round. But when the devil meets face to face. And we look and say, what is this all about? The truth gets revealed through fire, through storms. Jesus said, take heart, I've overcome the world. But we don't even know the Jesus that we serve. We don't even know the Jesus that we stand for and say, do not spend that money on the wrong thing. What is wrong with you? You should do the right thing. I believe with all my heart after studying this over and over and it's sitting in my belly all week and for longer than that, that I would have been on Team Judas. I would have said, Mary... What's wrong with you? <laughs> Are you an idiot? Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? For one year's wage. For an entire year's salary. For 300 days, by the way, that's probably more than a lot of us work. Because if we get weekends off, we don't work 300 days. Why did you work for 300 days wage? Excuse me, wages. Why did you do that? Why did you break it on his feet? Why didn't you give that away to the poor? That's me. But when it comes to honor the devils in the details, because it all comes down to the heart, it has nothing to do with, listen, this is big. Oh, it's so hard. It has nothing to do with what I do, but it has to do with why I do what I do. That's everything. Listen to me. I can be completely out of God's will standing on this stage preaching a message. If I'm trying to gain followers to my vision, if it is not God's will and the kingdom of God that I am hoping that we build and it's all about me, then I am Judas or I'm Martha and I'm definitely not Mary. And it's because the most important thing is the thing that we do the last and the least and it's the hardest and it's I've got to check me. I do such a good job of checking everybody else, being the police, making sure everybody's right. The mirror is the person that I should start with every day, and it's the hardest thing to start with because it's the great revealer of my, of my motives, and I can be this much off and end up going down Hell's Kitchen. I say, how did this happen? How did I end up in this way? How did my marriage end up falling apart that much? I, I had the right idea. I had good intentions. Intentions don't get you to your destination. Direction does, and that only is revealed through motives. 
and it's tough. The one person in the story that had proper motives was Mary, by the way. I believe Martha was strongly trying to earn the favor of Jesus. She missed the point altogether. And then this is what verse 6 says. He said this not because he cared about the poor. See, the motives are being revealed right here. Imagine being Jesus and knowing everybody's motives. <laughs> that would not have been a fun life, right? So you're saying this and I know, but I can't be mean to you. And I would really like to be mean to you right now, but I can't. Jesus knew why Judas was saying this. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. That's what the Bible's saying. Just imagine this. You've got this expensive perfume, and it's kind of weird that there would be a bottle of $30,000 perfume, maybe more than that, sitting right in front of me. And I say, Angela, why don't you sell this perfume instead of honoring Jesus so we can sell it to the poor? Here's how my mind's thinking. And I can take home five days' wages, an entire week's pay can slip into my pocket, and probably no one will even notice. That's only one out of 52. It's the proper thing to do because I had to get my hands on it. <laughs> right? Good job. But because he was a thief having charge of the money bags and he used it to help himself. Let me just translate that. That juggle was stealing, right? To what was put into it. So when we, when we check ourselves, this is the deal. Pastor, I really don't know how to honor. Like, I don't even know what it looks like. You ever been to a funeral? And heard someone just be nasty in a eulogy. Have any of y'all done that? A couple of y'all, like I, I think maybe one time that I was thinking back. But almost every time, y'all think with me, almost every single time, is it not just bubbly kind? Are y'all with me? Yes. It's like, I wish I had met that dude. Like when you're at a funeral and you don't even know him. Most of the time, people say the nicest things at a funeral. And here was my thought. Why don't we say those things while people are still alive? Are y'all with me? Why don't we tell our grandma how much we love her? And we wait till she's in the grave? And why don't we tell our sister who's got cancer how much we deeply love her and how much she meant to us? And we wait till she passes. And why don't we tell our wife or our husband? And why don't we tell our children? Because it may be you that's going to be with the Lord someday. And why do we live that way? And here's the deal. Mary wasn't waiting. <laughs> And they had no clue what she was really doing. We wait so long to honor people and tell them the truth about what we really believe. And then they're in the grave and we just, we just praise them with these beautiful eulogies. But to honor somebody, here's what you need to do. You need to honor before it's too late. We need to honor people before it's too late. And the person that we should honor more than anyone is Jesus. Let me tell you why. If we don't honor Jesus before it's too late with our whole hearts and check our methods and our motives, check deeply in our motives and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? It's going to be too late for a lot of people in your life and you're going to say, listen, I did the right thing. It's not about doing the right thing. It's about why you're doing the right thing. If you want anything from your neighbors when you have a cookout and it's not just to love on them and show them the love of Jesus Christ, it's not doing the right thing. It's doing something to get a thing, right? And that's, I'm not even downplaying that. Sometimes you got to sell something. Sometimes you got to get your Mary Kay sold out. You know what I mean? That's, that's, not, that's not, making money is not bad, okay? And I'm not even trying to make fun of that at all. 
But don't call it for the sake of the gospel if that's not what it's for. And then for every person in your life, ask yourself this question. If she died today, what would I say about her? Because that's what I should tell her to her face. Don't wait for the eulogy. Don't wait for the eulogy. Unless you're going to say something really nasty and then maybe you shouldn't say it, all right? Don't wait for the eulogy. Say it. Because this was Jesus' response. And I love this. In verse 7, this was Jesus' response. Jesus said, leave her alone. She wasn't waiting for the eulogy. She wasn't waiting. She wasn't waiting until it was too late so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. And, and you know they were sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? You're not going to die. You're Jesus. You just fed 5,000 a couple weeks ago and you walked on that water and you stopped the storm. and You just raised Lazarus from the dead a couple days ago. Who's going to mess with you? And she said, no, you, you missed the whole point of, of, of the whole thing. You've missed everything because you think that you can earn my favor by doing or that you can earn my favor by, by, by outthinking. And by, but listen, you, you heard my message. And I said, whatever you've done for the least, you've done for me. And so you took the responsibility of sitting at my feet and listening and learning and growing. And in all problems and circumstances, knowing that you can cast your care on me and you decided that you could fix it. But you've missed it all together. For the poor, you always have, listen to me, we will always have something to do. And it is not downplaying what we must do as followers of Jesus. But if you believe being busier or doing more or giving to the right thing is going to help your motives, the truth is the devil's in the details when it comes to honor, when it's, it's bigger than that, when it comes to anything, and your motives are the true revealing factor. And what's in here is truthfully what's going to come out eventually. And when you're blowing up constantly in anger at work, when you're standoffish and you won't talk to people, when you seem like something's clearly wrong and you don't know what the problem is, check your motives, check why. And Jesus is like, listen, leave her alone because she's just sitting at my feet and she's honoring me and she knows that I'm about to die. And before it's too late, she's giving me the praise that she wishes she could give when I'm dead. And none of you are thinking that because you're so busy. We don't honor people in our lives because we're too busy. We got to stop being busy. We got to allow there to be some space where we take a breath and say, God, I will rest in you and I will not be too busy for my kids' stuff and I will not be too busy from... Because our motives are jacked up and we, and we twist them and say, oh, it's all good. There's always going to be poor, and there's always going to be these other things. Here's the deal, and this is how I'll close. I want you to think, which one are you? Which one are you? Are you Mary, who sits at the feet of Jesus? Are you Martha, who's just constantly working and doesn't have time to stop and sit at the feet of Jesus? Or are you Judas? who on the outside, you look like that man that we elevate in esteem and say, he's the one that has the church's best interest in mind. We would have elevated him. I would have elevated him and said, thank you, Judas, for being that dude. How wrong would I have been because I didn't ask why? I would not have asked the true question. Here's the beautiful thing about Mary. On their first encounter in Luke chapter 10, here was what Mary did. And here's what most of us go a lifetime and never do. 
Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. And I want y'all to read this part. Who? Who sat at the Lord's feet. And listened to his teaching. The very first meeting, the very first encounter that they ever had. Mary didn't say, oh, that's God. I need to get busy. She didn't say, oh, that's Jesus. I better collect and make sure everything's right. You know what else I noticed that she didn't do? She didn't look at everybody else and say, that dude's motives off, that dude's motives off, that lady's motives is off, that lady's motives are off, the government's losing its mind, this flag's going up, this flag's going down. Oh my gosh, what do they think about me? Oh my gosh, what do they think about me? What will they think if I say this? What will they think if I say this? What will they think if I do this or if I don't do this? I just think Mary was thinking one thing through all my insecurities, through everything that I do, there's one place where I can find peace. In this world, you will face trials and tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Most of us work like the Dickens to get ourselves out of all kinds of trouble. And we think to ourselves, man, if I can just work a little harder, I'll get out of this debt. God will understand. If I can just do a little more, God will love me. Because I haven't quite talked to enough people about Jesus. If I can just stand and let them know what I really believe, then God will love me. If I can just maybe buy my wife this one thing, maybe I can win her heart back. We missed the point altogether. There's only one place on this planet that you can experience peace. There's only one place on this planet that you can be rescued from all your troubles. There's only one place when all hell is breaking loose all around you that you can experience the joy of your salvation and it is at the feet of Jesus. Listen, here's what I want you to know about the feet of Jesus. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, there is no worry there is no hurt and there is no pain that can stop you. Romans 8 verses 31 through 39 are some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor principalities nor darkness. Nothing can separate me from God's love. There is nothing that you will face that can defeat you Christian. But the problem is we get so busy or we check everybody's motives. And we try to take back from the poor. No, you can't, you can't honor Jesus with a $30,000 gift. There's no way you should do that. Why would he do that? Why did he just buy that thing? We get so busy looking at everybody else's life that we never stop and consider our own. And as a result, we end up going down hell's kitchen with snow coming out of everything. And we say, how did this happen? Because when it comes to a culture that is honoring first to the Lord Jesus and above all else, esteeming his name, it is impossible unless I am every single day sitting at the feet of Jesus, allowing him to fill my life. 
That is the place of hope. That is the place of freedom. And that is the place of rescue. And listen to me, I believe this with all my heart and a lot of people would disagree with this and you're allowed to be wrong. Like, if, if you do not do this for your true place of freedom, eventually, and I'm not saying every day because Lord knows I don't every day. I, I've got to check myself, but listen carefully. If this is not your go-to place at the feet of Jesus, I don't believe that you can truly be one of His. If the place that you go for healing and freedom is not His ointment, if you don't replace your burden that's on you with what Matthew 11 says, take my yoke, my burden is easy, then you're a person that talks a lot about it or does a lot about it. But you're not a person that says enough with the naysayers and killing the cockroaches. Not with my words and not with, not with scorn and not with hate and not with envy. The way that I live a culture of honor is not by doing more or trying harder. Not by buying nicer presents or doing more things. It's by understanding that all he asked me to do is say I love you back. And simply every single day surrendering under his lordship and saying I am yours. I don't know that I can get through this next day. I don't know that I can get through this sickness. I don't know if I can get through this hurt. I don't know if I can get through this battle with my spouse. But I know this. I cannot do this without you. And I know that you have overcome the world. Guys, listen to me carefully. I believe there's two groups in here. I believe there's groups in here that came in on their way to hell. And I believe there's groups in here that came in on their way to heaven. And I believe the only difference is who has ever sat at the feet of Jesus and made him Lord and Savior of your life. Listen to me carefully, friends. Being a Christian is not about saying a magic prayer or saying magic words. It's simply, Lord Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I submit and surrender all of me to you. And today, I live for you. Because you took away sin and death, and you also died for my sin, I give you my life. I am yours forever. Listen, friends, I don't care who you are or what your name is. At the feet of Jesus, everyone's the same. No color, no sex, no anything matters except whether or not you're his. And that's the only two people in this room today. Will you bow with me? Pastor Martin, here's the truth, quickly. Here's the truth. I need freedom and I need to sit at the feet of Jesus and I need to be saved. If that's you and you wanna go from death to life right this minute, I just want you to throw your hand up right now and say, that's me. Wherever you are in the room, don't let anything hold you back. Just throw your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. That's me, Pastor. That's me. Guys, this is for everybody else in the room. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we pray. And this is what I hope that you'll do. I hope that this week you'll check yourself. I hope that you'll look yourself in the mirror and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because I'm telling you, you can walk out with great motives, but the devil's in the details. Will you stand, Lord Jesus? Our offering is not so you love us more. Our prayer is not so you love us more. Our reading is not so you love us more. There is nothing we can do to make you love us more or make you love us less. God, every person in this room just revealed that they're a follower of you. And as a result, if we truly check our motives, and we'll begin to sit at your feet and say, Lord, in everything that I do, I'm just going to aim to honor and glorify you. And the reason that I'm going to love people and the reason I'm going to tell them how much I love them, the reason that I'm going to give good gifts and show more, 
is not to gain their favor, but as a result of your love and so that I can point them to you. Jesus, in everything that we do, let us honor and glorify you. And I believe we'll live a countercultural lifestyle that will change the world. And now we sing how you love us because that is what you are worthy of. And we love you, Jesus. And everybody said...